following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. years. As I come and speak with you today, I have one great concern in my heart, 
and that is that you would turn from all of the wasted years of your life and once and for all lay down your weapons of rebellion and that you would do it now, that you would not wait, that you would not hesitate. Now every man and every woman knows in their own heart, in their own conscience, whether or not they are right with God. Are you right with God today? Have you repented of your sins and had them removed from you? Or do you still walk in the wasted years of sin? In the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to speak when the scribes and the Pharisees from Jerusalem come to him. Now these attorneys and these Pharisees are the super-religious of the day. This is the one group of people that Jesus had very little luck. May I call it that? He had very little effect on the scribes and the Pharisees. Now the scriptures do tell us that some did turn. Simon the leper, when he was healed of leprosy and was confronted by Jesus, he turned. But most did not. Now what is it about the scribes and the Pharisees that make it almost impossible for them to hear the word of God? Their hearts have been hardened against the word that Jesus would bring to them. He said, This people draws near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me, and they worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They are satisfied with their rituals of worship. They are satisfied with their prayer books. They are satisfied with their own experience. And they look upon themselves as righteous, even while they are utterly unrighteous. This group of people will cut others off, condemn them, with no understanding, judge, because somehow other people don't measure up to their expectations. These self-righteous ones have no humility of heart. They're almost unreachable. Jesus, he spoke very almost harshly to these people. They accused him of not following with his disciples the rituals of washing. Jesus turns this around and points out to them their own hypocrisy, shows them where they are using their self-righteousness to disobey the Lord. And so he says to them, you talk a good talk, but you don't walk the walk. 
I'm sure that some of you listening today fit into this category of Pharisee. Because your heart is not filled with the melting, warm love of Jesus, and you look down on those that you think don't quite measure up to your standard. You cut them off, you judge them, and you worship the Lord God in vain. Now, Jesus calls the multitude of people to himself in Matthew 15, verse 10. He says, You must hear and understand, it's not the things entering into the mouth that defiles the man, but the things coming out of the mouth. This defiles the man. So the Pharisees are saying it's what you eat and the way you wash that makes you holy. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not. He's saying it's not what you put into your body, it's what flows out of your mouth. And then you act upon. This is what makes you unholy. Well, if you're interested, I'd like to tell you exactly what Jesus said will make you unholy. Let's use it as a litmus test to see how the rest of us stack up. He says, Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immorality, thefts, false testimony, What is false testimony? It's when someone starts a rumor. It's when someone begins to speak against another. But what they're saying is a lie. And that false testimony is received by the Pharisee as gospel. And so they never go back and ask the person that the false testimony is about, they just assume they know, and off they go to the races. Jesus is saying that those who give false testimony have made themselves defiled. Blasphemies, that is, speaking against the Most High God, that is, putting your self-interest as first ahead of the interest of God. So we have the list here, the hit list, and right on top of that is evil thoughts. Now, how do we deal with evil thoughts? It's obvious that thoughts come unbidden to our heart and to our mind. So how do we control evil thoughts? Well, you can try to suppress the evil thoughts, but evil thoughts flow out of an evil heart. And you must go and get a new heart. You must deal with your conscience regarding your heart and begin to make decisions about what is of great value to you. Evil thoughts flow out of an evil heart. And those evil thoughts then defile a person. Angry bitterness flows 
as evil thoughts out of the heart. Judgments. Jesus said that if you're angry with your brother, you've already murdered him. So murder is much more than just killing a man. There are many ways to kill a man. You can kill him with your words. You can kill him with gossip. You can kill him by rallying together against him. There are many ways to murder a man. But Jesus is saying that all murder, both the act of murder, the violent act of taking a man's life, or the violent act of evil thoughts. Adulteries. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her. In other words, these things that Jesus listed are not just external, they are reflective of an evil heart. And that evil heart must be dealt with. Sexual immorality. Theft. What does theft flow out of? My self-interest and my total disregard for another. So I can steal a man's reputation. I can steal his money. I can steal his future. Theft is much more than just reaching out my hand and shoplifting. Jesus is saying all of these things flow out of a heart. A heart that is defiling that man or that woman. He's saying to eat with unwashed hands and not to go through the rituals required by the lawyers and by the Pharisees. That does not defile a man. Rather, it's what flows out of that man. That's what defiles him. Then, in the book of Galatians, Paul gives us another hit list describing the works of the flesh, that is, the works of the evil nature, the heart. And he says in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifestations. What are they manifestations of? They're manifestations of the inner life in your spirit. For we are controlled by an inner spirit, and we've been given a conscience to guide us in making righteous choices about how we will function in the outward world. But if the inward world is filthy and dirty, we can suppress some of these things, but we are guilty before God. 
Now the overarching, the great desire of my heart is that you would recognize today if you are far from Jesus, even though you may claim to be very religious, if you claim to be very religious and yet these things are in your heart and they flow out, you are a defiled person. It's interesting in the scripture, the heart cannot be repaired. The heart is, how do I say it? Desperately wicked. Desperately deceptive. We must go get a new heart and a new mind. Notice, these manifestations that he's speaking of are what flow out of the heart of a man or a woman. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Indecency. Every time evil spirits are spoken of in the New Testament, they are always referred to as unclean spirits. The first manifestations of a defiled heart are these wicked urges of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, indecency indecency in what you wear indecency in how you speak indecency in what you do all of us know when we are unclean or indecent now we may harden our hearts and we may say we don't care but every one of you listening to this broadcast today has a conscience now you may have salved your conscience with religious rituals you may have salved your conscience with going to church you may have salved your conscience by going every day to pray but you know in your inner being whether your conscience pricks you. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. You know that you should not be committing adultery or fornication. And I have spoken with men who are committing adultery or who are committing fornication or who are unclean and I've talked with them about it and they have readily agreed that adultery is wrong that fornication is wrong that it's wrong to be unclean it's wrong to be indecent in language and action they readily agree with me 
And yet it's absolutely obvious when you look at their life that they are utterly given to indecency. Their tattoos give them away. Their attention to everything that is unclean gives them away. Their lust gives them away. So on one side, they can say, oh, I know it's wrong. But then immediately go and do exactly what they have just said is wrong. And it is this that brings the judgment of God upon a person's life. It brings the wrath of God on a person's life. It brings loneliness and despair and hopelessness. I saw a man once who would go and hang out. He would get an invitation from a woman. Hey, why don't you come over and hang out tonight? That was not an invitation to come over and have pizza. That was an invitation to come over and have sex. He knew that. And a number of occasions, I thought he was actually going insane because he was so diswrought by his wicked behavior. And he would weep and cry and say, I know I'm a wicked man. He knew that. Because these things that I'm speaking about bring utter brokenness and despair to your heart. Now you can harden your heart. You can harden your heart for a while. But every man knows that he's going to die. And every man knows that he is going to face a judgment at some point in his life. He is going to face a judgment from Almighty God. He knows that. He knows that he's going to have to deal with his sin. He's going to have to deal with his actions because every man is responsible for his own action. And so I come to you today and I say, please, Are you walking in one way, yet saying out of your mouth that way is wrong? Is what you say and what you do, are those in accord with one another? I hear people say, oh, I know I should read the scriptures. I know I should pray. Are you reading the scriptures and are you praying? Oh, I know I should go to church. What are the priorities you've established in your life? It's astonishing to me the idolatry of our age. Idolatry simply means I am putting everything ahead of God. I'm putting my work ahead of God. 
I don't have time to come to the house of the Lord. I don't want to be inconvenienced. The man who says, you know, I only want to hear a sermon that's 12 or 15 minutes, and then I'm finished. I'm out of there. But will sit for two hours and watch the ball game and have his beer. That's called idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Do you have a short trigger? Do you blow up? Do you say things you know you should not be saying? All of that is a manifestation of an evil heart. A wicked heart. Strife. Dissensions. These all flow out of that wicked heart that brings brokenness in marriage. It brings loneliness of heart. It brings utter despair. Now, we've learned in America how to soldier on. We've learned how to keep on keeping on. And so we can continue going to our job and we can continue making money and we can continue doing certain basic things that allow us to survive. But in the privacy of our own life, we're utterly ungodly. Does that describe you? Do you create strife Do you walk in dissension? Drunkenness, revelries, and things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom of God is not geographic. It is the divine authority of God exercised in righteousness. You cannot be under the authority of God and under the authority of the devil at the same time. Now, Satan does not have a kingdom like God has a kingdom. The Lord God of heaven rules over everything, including the devil. But there is a whole realm of utter darkness, a whole realm that when we look at it from the earth's perspective, it seems to fill the whole earth. But it is simply a rebellion against the Most High God, and it has severe consequences. Have you ever looked at a young woman on meth, on methane? Have you looked at a young woman's face or a young man's face? The story is told of Michelangelo as he was painting that great picture of the Last Supper. And he could not find a man with a beautiful, innocent face to sit for the portrait of Jesus Christ. But one day as he was on the street, he saw a man who had the most beautiful, innocent face he'd ever seen. He invited that young man to come and sit for him as he painted the portrait of Jesus Christ. 
Now quite some time passed before this picture was finally finished, and one of the last portraits to be painted was that of Judas Iscariot. He had very clearly in mind the kind of face he wanted for Judas Iscariot, a face scarred by sin, a face of cunning, a face of survival. He could not find such a man. But one day, as he was on the street, he saw the perfect picture of Judas Iscariot. He approached the man and said, I'd like to paint you for a picture I'm doing, and I will pay you. And the young man, on the street, hungry, said, Yes, of course, I'll come. And so he went with Michelangelo, and as he began to paint this wicked face, the man said, You have painted me before. Michelangelo said, No, I don't think I ever have. Oh, yes, you have painted me before. What do you mean, sir? Well, do you see that that portrait over there? That was my face some time ago. And he pointed to the picture of our Lord Jesus. Michelangelo, it is said, could hardly believe his eyes that one man could make such a dramatic change in his appearance. To on one hand be the picture of Jesus, and on the other hand to be the picture of the devil. What is your picture? And what direction are you headed in your life today? Is your heart filled with pharisaical judgments? With outward rituals? Or is your heart filled with drugs and alcohol, tobacco, the world's entertainment, the movies, fornication, uncleanness? Are you on pot? What direction are you headed? Who are you? I want to read another scripture for you. This scripture is found in the Gospel of John. I'll begin reading in the 16th chapter with verse 7. This is John 16, verse 7. And yet I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is better for you that I may go away for if I may not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I may go, I will send him to you. And that one, after having come, will convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. The Holy Spirit has been sent. And his job is to 
speak to your heart in such a manner that you would see the utter wickedness of your life and you would make a decision of the conscience to turn from your wickedness. Now, there is nothing more painful for me than to see a person who calls themselves a Christian and yet they continue to walk in darkness and sin. They call themselves a Christian, but hatred fills their heart. You bump them, and all manner of angry words flow from them. You bump against them, even accidentally, and they will have harsh and mean things to say, judgmental things. Nothing pains me more than to see a man who in the outward shell seems to be a Christian, but on the inner side of that man, he's filled with utter darkness. Or to see a man, frankly, who has just given himself over to every unclean thing, to drugs, to fornication, to lying and cheating, Now, it's rapidly apparent if you speak to any businessman that he knows that people will come in his business and try to steal from him. And he is constantly on guard to protect his merchandise. Why does he need to do that? Because the heart is wicked and selfish and wants to reach out and grab what he can grab for himself regardless of what that does to another person. Speak to any person, and they will tell you that in our wicked day, in our wicked culture, we must be very careful. We must guard ourselves. Certain parts of the city we would not dare go walk in because it is so violent and so utterly wicked. And yet I can walk into a church, and the violence is is not as readily apparent. But there's still much violence, even among people who call themselves Christians. Oh, it's gossip, it's backbiting, it's it's harshness. It's the same sin. It's putting self first. It's making my interests number one. And in all of this wickedness, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to say to you, like he is right now, will you turn right now from your sin? And will you be converted? Now, because you call yourself a Christian does not mean you have been converted. Many call themselves Christians, but they are still filled with utter darkness, and the manifestations that come out of their heart are still that of strife, fighting, bitterness, judgments. Even among thieves, no, there's no honor. At work, 
Are you there to get by with as little as you can get by with and do as little work as possible? As you go to your family, are you there demanding that your family serve you? Are you yelling at the kids and jerking them around because they make you mad? Then you have an unconverted heart. Are you yelling and screaming at your husband or your wife? Then you have an unconverted heart. These things all flow out of that desperately wicked heart. And the Holy Spirit comes and he says to you, Look, use your conscience. And I'm here to help you understand why you must give these things up. I will remove them from you if you will declare yourself a sinner and repent. And the blood of Jesus will come and wash you. But you must take the action because you are responsible for what you do. There are no excuses for sin. There is no reasonable argument for why you should continue in your sin. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to send this helper, this counselor. And I'm going to do this because I'm not there anymore. In other words, if Jesus were to sit down with you, the first thing that he would deal with like the woman at the well. He immediately began to zero in on her and exposed her sexual uncleanness. And she could have gotten angry, cursed him, and walked away. She didn't do that. Instead, she was willing to deal with the reality of the condition of her heart. And she turned her heart toward Jesus. And then she immediately went to the village without embarrassment. They all knew who she was. She went to the well alone because the other women in the village would not go with her. She was a woman of shame. But she began to tell them about what happened to her out there with Jesus. And so everyone came to see this man. And Jesus stayed with the Samaritans for two days. Now there's another point I want to make on this. The disciples come back. And they wonder why Jesus is talking to this woman, to this sinner. The disciples at this point in their journey, had no love for the lost. They had no interest in her salvation. She was unclean. And they thought they were clean. But were the disciples clean? No, they were still arguing about who would be the greatest. The disciples did not get clean until the crucifixion of Jesus. And then they were filled with power for ministry. 
all of us. Sinner, all of us must turn at the call of the Holy Spirit and believe in Jesus Christ. Now my question to you, do you want to keep on sinning? Or are you tired of your wicked way of life? Are you tired of fighting? Are you tired of cursing? Are you tired of being unclean? Are you tired of walking with the devil? Are you tired of the root of bitterness in your heart? The Holy Spirit is right now speaking to you. And he is calling you right now to leave your sin. To ask Jesus to utterly remove it from you to surrender, to lay down the weapons, to lay down the weapons of your rebellion and to do it now. Are you willing to give up being defensive and angry? Are you willing to give up being right? Are you willing to to go back and make restitution to those you have wronged? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit make you into a new person? Are you willing by an act of the conscience to recognize that you have sinned and are sinning against the Most High God. Are you ready to deal in reality with your condition before God? In 1 John, the third chapter, John addresses the people in a very tender manner. He says, little children, you must not let anyone deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous, just as the one, just as that one or Jesus is righteous. The one continually doing the sin is out of the devil because the devil sins from a beginning. So there we have it. John is speaking very tenderly to you today. And he's asking you the question, are you tired of continually walking in your sin, in the devil? Are you tired of your immorality? Are you tired of the emptiness of the entertainment of our day? 
Are you tired of being discouraged in your heart and beat up by the devil? Will you choose Jesus today? And will you choose to stop sin now? You know what your sin is. Every one of you, even the Pharisees, you know what your sin is. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about it. And you've been hanging on to it. And you've been pretending that you didn't have it. But you know if your soul is dark. You know if you're walking in hiddenness, in lying, in cheating, in stealing, in gossiping, in bitterness, in anger. You know the condition of your own heart. Are you willing to be changed today into the likeness of Jesus Christ. If so, he will meet you. Because it says, for this purpose the Son of God was manifest so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Jesus wants to destroy the works of the devil in your heart. You can be born from above and start all over again as a new creature, as a new person. And you will not continue to sin. You can be born today out of God. Almighty God, I plead today for those who have listened to this message that your Holy Spirit would go forth now in great power, that you would deal with every person exposing the truth of their heart, that you would call those who are willing to come out right now out of the darkness and into the light and say to you, Jesus, I lay down my weapons of rebellion now and I choose to serve you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, those of you who are willing to lay down your weapons of rebellion need to go before Jesus and begin to specifically repent for everything you know that is of darkness. And you need to ask Jesus to remove it from your life, to forgive you, to remove it, that it would no longer be a part of your heart or your life. God bless you as you do this. Now I want to speak to you about this radio broadcast for just a few minutes. I had a long conversation with a dear brother last night. Each month he gives 1500 to $2,000 to help pay for this radio broadcast. Literally, he's carrying half of it. 
And he said to me, Pastor, why aren't other Christians stepping forward and helping to pay for this broadcast? He said, I don't feel that I should be the one carrying half of the cost. Where are the other Christians? Well, that's my question as well. I have put up on the web at nationalprayerchapel.com an invitation for 100 builders to give $100 apiece. Now, maybe that $100 is too much for you, but all of you could give $10. You do the math. We have far more than a 1,000 people listening regularly to this radio broadcast here in America. More than 2,000 in Japan, more than 2,000 in other lands. Where are the Christians who believe in this straight message of immediate confession of sin, repentance, and conversion? Will you sacrifice that this broadcast could stay on the air. I can tell you now that if this does not change, this dear brother will stop giving the amount he's giving. He'll continue giving if we have a great increase in those Christians who believe in this message and say it must continue. I know this is the only broadcast on AM or FM in Washington, D.C. that teaches the message that I'm teaching. But this is the gospel that John Wesley taught, that Jonathan Edwards taught. It is the same message that Charles Finney taught. It is the same gospel message, but today it has been totally prostituted. And so where are the people who will step forward and say, look, I'll be one of those 100 builders to give to help us move forward toward that FM goal where we have a much broader reach in this city. What is your concern for the lost? Are you concerned for the lost in this city? Do you want revival to come in this city? If you do, then you need to go to the website immediately and sacrifice a minimum of $100 and become one of those 100 builders. I've gone every day this last week and I've prayed and said, Lord, not one person is going to this webpage and giving. Why? Is the message wrong? I know it's not. It's what the Lord gives me. It's straight out of the word of God. So where are the Christians who will sacrifice? Now, praise God, some of you are doing that and I love you with all of my heart. Some of you One precious woman sent a check for $25 yesterday, and I know that's like $1,000 to her. So if you're giving, please, I'm not talking to you. I'm speaking to those who have selfishly been unwilling to sacrifice that the message of holiness, that the gospel of conversion, the gospel of, of turning to Jesus Christ and being transformed into a new creature... I'm speaking to you Christians who want to listen, but you will not sacrifice. What's wrong? Where are you? Will you step forward? 
will you step forward and will you give? If you want to just send your check, send it to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And if you need to get to Jesus, come to the National Prayer Chapel this Sunday. God is starting revival. God is starting revival. I want you to be a part of it. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find all of the information about the National Prayer Chapel. And you will soon see a whole new webpage dealing with just revival. I pray today's message has stirred your heart that you will turn now to the Lord. And if you have not been giving, I ask, please, would you step forward now? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus Christ, our 